Ladies and gentlemen, recording from Los Angeles, California. Welcome to another edition of the one and only podcast known to the world as Sean's Sports Stop, where Sean Tiflitsky gives his unique opinion on the biggest news stories in sports. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the one, the only Sean's Sports Stop podcast where your boy gives his opinion on everything going on inside the world of sports. Lord knows there is a lot going on right now. November 1st, I was going to say October, but we're now in November. This time of year in general, regardless of what month it is, there is a lot going on. The World Series, the NFL trade deadline was today. There was a flurry of trades. The NBA season is well underway. The NHL season is well underway. Champions League in soccer. I mean, there is so much. On Saturday, Jake Paul uh, against all odds beat Anderson Silva in a boxing match. So we have a lot to talk about. A lot to talk about. This is episode number 399. Um, I'm, I say this every time and it's it's surreal that I'm about to do the 400th episode. Again, I was supposed it was supposed to be a daily and it hasn't been so I apologize. I've really been slacking but I'm gonna do my best to stay consistent because as a wise man once told me, consistency is one of the most important things in life. So with that said, with that wisdom, uh, bestowed upon you. <laughs> Let's get right into it with some NFL. This was a major bullet dodge for the Rams, for me, <laughs> for all Rams fans. Thankfully, Cooper Cup, the star wide receiver for the Los Angeles Rams, feels, quote, pretty good after injuring his ankle in Sunday's 31-14 loss to the San Francisco 49ers. The Niners continue to own the Rams. I mean, absolutely own the Rams. But in the most important matchup between the two teams in last year's NFC Championship game, the Rams were obviously victorious on their way to winning the Super Bowl. So, honestly, it's been a lackluster start to the season for the Rams, no doubt about it. But, you know, we won the fucking Super Bowl last year. I'll take it. Uh, Cup added that, quote, things are pointing toward dodging a bullet in regard to the injury. Head coach Sean McVay told reporters after the game that he believed Cup had hurt his ankle but did not have any details about the injury. This I mean, I love, absolutely love and adore Sean McVay as a head coach. And it's not because we share the same first name. But, I mean, having Cooper Cup in the game, uh, when the game's over, like when you've already given up on the game, why is Cooper Cup in the game? It makes absolutely zero sense. Less than zero sense. It makes, I mean, if there's a less than zero, that's how much sense it makes. Because I don't know what McVay was thinking in that moment. But thankfully, Cup is okay. I mean, the Rams. You know what? While we're at it, let's take a look. Let's take a look at the landscape in the NFL, shall we? I mean, the Philadelphia Eagles are 7-0. and Still the lone undefeated team in the NFL. I think, I think they're a fraud, to be honest. Um, I think when the Pittsburgh Steelers were 11-0 a couple years ago, I called them the worst 11-0 team of all time. Not saying the Eagles are in the same boat. Uh, they did strengthen their team with some deadline acquisitions, but I, I just I don't think they're like that. I don't think they're going to make a very deep playoff run. We'll see. I might be wrong. So let's take a look at some NFL action. The Baltimore Ravens um, kept their winning ways going. Lamar Jackson is balling out 27 to 38, 240 yards, a couple touchdowns, no picks. And Tom Brady, for the first time in his career, 
for the first time in his career is two games below 500 at three and five. Not ideal. And he, yeah, he had a great game, 26 of 44, 325 yards and a touchdown. I guess only one passing touchdown being the only thing you can really say. But statistically, a great game from Tom Brady. Can't say the same about uh, the running backs for the Buccaneers. Uh, so their struggles continue. The Miami Dolphins are 31, excuse me, are five and three, taking care of business in a close game against the Detroit Lions on the road, 31 to 27. Tua Tagovailoa is just special. Um, um, you know, all the people that were doubting him should feel ashamed of themselves. 29 of 36, 382 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, I mean, that's just unbelievable. Tua is different. Jared Goff, put some respect on his name. 27 of 37, 321 yards, a touchdown, no picks. Let's uh, go through a little faster. The Minnesota Vikings are now 6-1, and 34-26, the victory over the Arizona Cardinals at home. Kyler Murray, great game, minus the interceptions, 31-44, 326 yards, three touchdowns, but two interceptions. That is inexcusable. Kirk Cousins, uh, when... When is he going to become Kirk Cousins again? 24 of 36, 232 yards, a couple touchdowns, no picks. The Las Vegas Raiders, I mean, the Derek Carr and Devontae Adams experiment is not going well. They fall to 2-5, and five, getting shut out 24 to nothing on the road against the New Orleans Saints, who are not exactly a juggernaut of a team. I mean, they improved to 3-5. and five. Derek Carr with a terrible game, 15 of 26, 101 yards, no touchdowns, and a pick. Andy Dalton with a great game for the Saints. Next up, the New England Patriots um, improved to 500 with a 22 to 17 road win over their division rival New York Jets. Mac Jones with a decent enough game to get the W. Zach Wilson not so much. Uh, he had the, I mean, he had the completions, had the yards, had the touchdowns, but three interceptions. That'll sink you. That does not fly in the NFL. Speaking of flying, the Seattle Seahawks took care of business at home against the New York Giants, 27 to 13. Some more Geno Smith revenge, uh, beating his former team, one of his former teams, I should say, 23 of 34, 212 yards, a couple touchdowns, no picks. Um, you know, I'm getting tired of this. Let's move on to the regularly scheduled programming, so to speak. Let's transition to some soccer. Fuck the NFL. I'm not fuck the NFL. Fuck the scores and all that. Uh, it's a Tuesday. We're past that. Let's talk about some soccer. Major League Soccer's Inter-Miami has emerged as the front-runner to sign superstar Lionel Messi when his PSG contract expires in the summer of 2023, according to The Athletic. Per David Ornstein, signing with the MLS club is the, quote, most advanced of Messi's potential options, to the extent that the Major League Soccer franchise now expect Messi to arrive and hope he will sign in the coming months. Discussions between the two parties have been going on for a couple of years, and there is increasing confidence that the proposed transfer will materialize. I mean, signing Lionel Messi is no joke. Ornstein also noted that PSG will, quote, push hard to sign Messi to a contract extension, while a return to his first club, Barcelona, is also a possibility. But Inter-Miami may have the inside track. As Ornstein reported, the city of Miami remains a, quote, source of attraction for Messi's family, who already own a property there. Miami's community links with South America are strong, too. Uh, Messi's from Argentina, in case you don't know. Attracting arguably the greatest player who ever lived to MLS would be a huge coup for the American League, which has attracted major stars in the past from Europe like Zlatan Ibrahimovic, David Beckham, Thierry Henry, and Wayne Rooney, among others. But always late in their career, Steven Gerrard is another one. The cliche has been that football stars go to the MLS for one last big payday. Messi would be in a similar situation, though he continues to play at an incredible level. Uh, honestly, I think he 
He felt like he got snubbed, not being named in the top 25 for the uh, 2022 Ballon d'Or. He, or 2021, I should say, he really took that personally as he has seven goals and 10 assists through 12 League One appearances this season. Going from PSG's wealth of talent to Inter-Miami would be an enormous adjustment, though, for Messi. There is no comparison to superstars like Kylian Mbappe or Neymar in the MLS, at least not yet. I mean, there have been rumors of Neymar eventually joining the MLS as well. So we'll see. Perhaps Messi and Neymar could be teammates on a third team in Miami. Let's switch gears to some basketball. It's been rough as a Laker fan, I'm not going to lie, um, but this most recent win is making me a little optimistic. Los Angeles Lakers point guard Russell Westbrook said he didn't allow outside negativity to impact him during a sluggish start to this NBA season. Quote, one thing that I will never let happen is people outside of my family and people who support me take my joy, Westbrook told reporters after Sunday's 121-110 to win over the Denver Nuggets. I always have fun and embrace this game and the gift I've been given to be able to go out and compete. And that is the best possible mentality you can have if you're Russell Westbrook, uh, especially in the modern digital age, the social media age where all these kids talk shit. And it's just, it's the best possible mentality you can have. The Lakers shifted the nine-time all-star to the bench for the past two games while seeking a spark amid an 0-5 start to the season. While the sample size is small, the early returns suggest Westbrook running the second unit could provide a more balanced Lakers offense. After scoring 18 points in a loss to the Timberwolves on Friday, marking his first appearance off the bench since his 2008-9 rookie year, he tallied 18 points, 8 rebounds, and 8 assists while shooting 50% from the floor, 6 of 12 against the Nuggets. I mean, that is one of the best games he's had in a Laker uniform. Uh, it's a welcome change. Hopefully, he can keep this off, off, off the bench. Um, that would be amazing. And I hope to see... Russ's success off the bench continuing the purple and gold. Let's switch gears to some more NBA. One of the smartest and well-run franchises in all of sports, the Golden State Warriors are picking up the $12.1 million fourth-year option on center James Wiseman, the $6 million third-year option on Jonathan Kaminga, and the $3.9 million third-year option on Moses Moody, according to ESPN. All three moves were expected for the trio of first-round draft picks. Because the Warriors have a championship-winning core of Stephen Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, Andrew Wiggins, and Jordan Poole, the impact of the young trio has been perhaps somewhat muted early in their respective careers. Wiseman is only 21 years old. He showed flashes in his rookie season, averaging 11.5 points and 6 rebounds in 39 games. A torn meniscus and a series of setbacks in his recovery cost him all of last season. Though he's returned to the rotation this year and he's averaging 9 points and 4.5 rebounds in uh, about 14.5 minutes per game. Kaminga is 20 years old. He served as a solid depth piece during his rookie season, averaging 9 points in 70 games, even making 12 starts. He played only 8.6 minutes per game once the postseason hit, as the Warriors relied on their veteran players, and he's had a tough start to this season, averaging less than 3 points a game and shooting 33.3% from the floor. But rangy wings aren't easy to come by, and like Wiseman, Kaminga has shown the type of potential that makes him a worthwhile developmental project for the contending Warriors. Moody is also 20 years old. He struggled to find a footing during his first two seasons, averaging 4.6 points per game across 59 overall games. Like Kaminga, he played a bit, a big role during last year's postseason run. He's, uh, excuse me, a small role. He's shown flashes of being a solid shooter from the perimeter um, as he shoots over 36% from three in his career. I have absolutely zero doubt in my mind that these guys will figure it out. Uh, the Warriors will make them figure it out. They're that good of a team. And these guys are all very, I mean, they're extremely talented being first-round draft picks. Uh, with that said, let's talk about some more NBA, shall we? The NBA announced on Monday 
that they stripped the Philadelphia 76ers of their second-round picks in 2023 and 2024. The league determined the Sixers violated tampering rules while pursuing P.J. Tucker and Daniel House Jr. in free agency. The Sixers began negotiating with both players before the window to do so opened. I mean, if you're going to tamper or break some kind of league rule, at least do it for a good player. At least do it for someone like James Harden. I don't know who else. Tobias Harris. Someone like... You're going to lose a draft pick over signing P.J. Tucker and Danwell House? I mean, come on, Philly. Uh, they don't have much to complain about now, though, with the Eagles being 7-0 and the Phillies lighting shit up in the World Series. More on that later. Uh, quote, the Philadelphia 76ers fully cooperated with the NBA's investigation and acknowledged the league's ruling. We're moving forward, focus on the season ahead. Meanwhile, the Sixers, or excuse me, the league confirmed the Sixers did not <laughs> tamper when they re-signed James Harden to a two-year $68.6 million deal. Harden accepted less money in the short term. He declined a $47.4 million player option. And Woj of ESPN reported in July that summer on the NBA were wondering whether the two parties already had a handshake agreement in place of a future contract. Let's be honest. They probably did. They probably did have a fucking <laughs> handshake agreement set in stone. I mean, who cares? Like, honestly, who cares? If he's not going to leave, why not talk about it beforehand? Whatever. It's a non, non-issue in my opinion. Um... Let's transition to some baseball. What a career this legend has had. Albert Pujols officially, excuse me, officially calls it a career. Cardinals legend Albert Pujols. His performance in the second half of the season proved that he still has a lot left in the tank, but he won't be backing off his retirement plans. I'm so, so, so glad he he hit the 700th home run and kind of that weight went off his shoulder, went off his chest. I'm so glad. I mean, it wasn't looking like he was going to get even close to that. And he just went on an absolute tear in the second half of the season. Uh, Pujols announced in March that the 22 season, 2022 season would be his last. He returned to St. Louis, the franchise with whom he spent the first 11 seasons of his career for his final year after spending time with the Los Angeles Angels and Los Angeles Dodgers last year. He was already considered a future first ballot Hall of Famer, but his resurgent performance put him in rarefied air. The 42-year-old finished his career with 703 home runs, becoming the fourth player in MLB history to join the 700 club. I mean, that is so legendary. If you think about how many people play baseball, how many, just how many people play baseball and how few make it to the MLB. And then out of, it's just so wild to think about that. And then out of that minuscule, tiny percentage, there are only four guys in all of history that have hit 700 home runs at the major league level. And Albert Pujols, has cemented himself in history. Uh, The Cardinals drafted him in 1999, and he made his major league debut in 2001. He made an immediate impact, earning NL Rookie of the Year. Over the course of his legendary career, Pujols earned 11 All-Star selections and three NL MVP awards. He helped lead the Cardinals to World Series championships in 2006 and 2011. Uh, Once again, an absolutely amazing career for the legends, Albert Pujols. And uh, hopefully, hopefully he has fun for the rest of his life. I mean, he's earned it. He's given this game everything he has. And um, Albert, if you happen to be listening to this, we love you. Um, let's switch gears to some football. Back, actually, yeah, back to some football. We talked about Cup earlier. The Indianapolis Colts announced the firing of offensive coordinator Marcus Brady on Tuesday following a 17-16 loss to the Washington Commanders in Week 8. Um the Colts are a disappointing 3-4-1 this season, in typical Colts fashion, I must say, and they rank 30th in the NFL in scoring with just 16.1 points per game. That is abysmal. 
Brady, who is 43 years old, was in the midst of his second season as the Colts OC after serving as their assistant quarterbacks coach in 2018 and their quarterbacks coach in 2019 and 2020. After playing quarterback for the CFL's Toronto Argonauts, Hamilton Tiger Cats, and Montreal Alouettes, Brady spent time as a wide receivers coach and offensive coordinator for the Alouettes and Argos, winning three Grey Cups as a coach. Uh, Frank Reich, the head coach of the Colts, hired Brady to his staff when he became the Colts head coach in 2018, and he worked his way up to the ladder uh, to the offensive coordinator position, replacing Nick Sirianni when he was hired as head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. With Brady and Reich running the offense last season, the Colts ranked ninth in scoring, not bad at all, at 26.5 points per game, and second in rushing with 149.5 yards per game, spearheaded by an unbelievable season from Jonathan Taylor. Indy ranked just 26th in passing, however, and missed the playoffs. That was obviously due to quarterback Carson Wentz, who was traded to the Commanders, <laughs> who just beat the Colts. I mean, you can't make this up. It can't be any more painful and ironic than it is for the Colts. Um, and they acquired veteran QB Matt Ryan from the Atlanta Falcons. He went 3-3-1 in seven stars, throwing for 2,008 yards, nine touchdowns, and a league-worst nine interceptions, prompting the Colts to bench Ryan in favor of Sam Ellinger. Things are bleak in Indiana. Speaking of bleak, <laughs> let's talk about the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, I am absolutely overjoyed as a Laker fan that there is somehow, I don't know how, but somehow, there is a bigger dumpster fire of a team in the NBA than the Lakers. The Brooklyn Nets said, hold my beer. The Brooklyn Nets and head coach Steve Nash have parted ways after a 2-5 and five start to the season. Talk about getting the short end of the stick. Steve Nash, so undeserved. Quote, since becoming head coach, Steve was faced with a number of unprecedented challenges. I would most certainly agree with that. And we are sincerely grateful for his leadership, patience, and humility throughout his tenure. Brooklyn general manager Sean Marks said in a statement per ESPN's Malika Andrews. Um, Nash thanked the Nets for the amazing experience in a statement. Jack Vaughn will be or was the acting head coach for the for Tuesday's game against the Chicago Bulls. The Hall of Fame point guard finishes with a 94 and 67 record for the first stop at the first stop of his coaching career. He helped guide the Nets to the 2021 Eastern Conference semifinals, and they may have reached the NBA Finals that year if KD's shoe size was one size smaller. Um, you somehow didn't hear. On August 8th, it was reported that the 34-year-old Kevin Durant reiterated his trade request and informed Nets Governor Joe Tsai that he needs to choose between Durant or the pairing of general manager Sean Marks and coach Steve Nash. Although, such, just such immaturity from Katie and Kyrie Irving, such a shit show. Um, yeah, I mean, and then all the anti-Semitic stuff. Um I'm I'm not even going to go there. You know what I will. And that's majority owner, governor, Joe Tsai, addressed the situation on October 28th and said he was disappointed that Kyrie appears to support a film based on a book full of anti-Semitic dis discrimination. Um, and I'm going to be honest. I like conspiracy theories. I believe in quite a few of them. Uh, but I don't know how far gone you have to be to to quote a fake quote from Adolf Hitler. I mean, I don't, I can't imagine how fucked in the head you have to be to do that. But alas, here we are. Let's talk about some actual sports again. Let's talk about some football. I told you guys there was a plethora of traits today. 
And I wasn't lying. The Minnesota Vikings acquired tight end TJ Hawkinson from the Detroit Lions ahead of Tuesday's trade deadline. Minnesota received Hawkinson, a 2023 fourth-round pick, and a 2024 conditional fourth-round pick in exchange for a 2023 second-round pick and a 2024 third-round pick. Uh, This move comes after the Vikings tight end Irv Smith Jr. suffered a high ankle sprain in week eight, and he's expected to miss eight to ten weeks. The 25-year-old Hawkinson is under contract through 2023 after the Lions picked up his $9.4 million option, fifth-year option in April. This is a huge pickup for the Vikings. They're 6-1, and one, like I said. Uh, absolutely huge. I think it's a great move for them. Probably a good move for the Lions as well, as since they're a shit team, you know, as expected. Uh, so to get some draft picks while Hawkinson's value is high, I think it's, uh, I think it's a good move for both sides. Another trade, another big trade, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, are trading wide receiver Chase Claypool to the Chicago Bears in exchange for a 2023 second-round pick. So the TikTok era in Pittsburgh is officially over with Juju Smith-Schuster and Chase Claypool, neither of them still being on the team. Um, So yeah, um, Claypool's name has been bandied about in in trade rumors for months. With the Steelers setting a high price on the Notre Dame product, he's been one of several's Several Pittsburgh skill position players to underperform this season amid the team's offensive struggles. The Steelers are just hot ass. I mean, they're just bad. They are just bad. Um, but for the Bears, I guess this is a good trade. I mean, the Bears won't do shit this year. So, I don't know. I mean, I guess this is a good trade for the Bears as they need some kind of passing game and wide receiver help for Justin Fields. But, I don't know. I think it's. I don't think it's going to move the needle. Um for them in any way so uh let's talk about the brooklyn nets again <laughs> it got a little boring without them let's let's do it i mean between ben simmons Kyrie irving kevin durant all the drama with steve Nash. i mean I, this is crazy what a dumpster fire suspended bot and it gets better suspended boston celtics coach ime udoka has emerged as the strong front runner to fill the brooklyn nets head coaching vacancy according to the athletic uh, Woj reported Udoka is likely to be the hire, and it could be finalized in the next 24 to 48 hours. Chris Mannix of Sports Illustrated added the sides are in, quote, advanced discussions about a contract for him to take over. Um, Chris Haynes of NBA on TNT reported the Celtics won't see compensation from the Nets if they hire Udoka. General Manager Sean Marks later told reporters at a press conference the team has not made any decisions regarding its next head coach. Yeah, okay. Woj originally reported Udoka and former Utah Jazz coach Quinn Snyder we're among the early candidates for the job. Um, <laughs> where do I start? In September, Celtics governor Wick Grusbeck announced Udoka was given a one-year suspension for multiple violations of team policies. An independent investigation determined those violations included Udoka using, quote, crude language in his dialogue with a female subordinate prior to the start of an improper workplace relationship with the woman. Very vague there, but let's just go with that. Um the fact that there was an external investigation into it leads me to believe that there was more than just him using some crude language prior to a consensual relationship with a subordinate. I mean, that just seems like not the biggest of deals, if I'm honest. So there has to be more to the story than we're being told at the moment. So I'm going to refrain from passing my judgment until we have more details back to the NFL trades. Let's do it. The trades continue to come in fast and furious, or continued, I should say. The latest, something of a stunner, as the Atlanta Falcons 
dealt suspended wide receiver Calvin Ridley to the Jacksonville Jaguars for a series of conditional draft considerations. Um, so as Ian Rappaport tweeted, quote, the Falcons are trading wide receiver Calvin Ridley to the Jaguars sources say in exchange for complex draft compensation that can be worth at maximum a 2023 fifth rounder and a 2024 second rounder. Um, so let's see if he gets reinstated by a date, it's worth a 2023 fifth. Otherwise it's for a sixth. If he makes the team in 2024, it's at least a fourth. If he hits playtime milestone, it's a third. If Jacksonville gets a long-term done, it's a second. So very confusing. Ridley's going to the Jaguars who ironically he bet on, which caused his suspension in the first place. Um, but yeah, I mean, sheesh. Talk about some weird trades. I mean, you have an Ime Udoka. I mean, this isn't a trade. Actually, it could be since he's still under contract with the Celtics. But you have Ime Udoka who's suspended a year by the Celtics with Brooklyn Nets happily swooping in and picking him up. Then you have Calvin Ridley who was suspended for gambling using FanDuel, essentially. <laughs> he gets traded to Jaguars who he bet on. I mean, it seems like every day I say that not not that I've seen it all, but you can't get crazier than this. And yet somehow, day after day, I get proven wrong and crazier shit happens. Let's transition to more trades. Why not? A busy NFL trade deadline day has its blockbuster. Per Adam Schefter of ESPN, the Denver Broncos traded star pass rusher Bradley Chubb in a 2025 fifth rounder to the Miami Dolphins for San Francisco's 2023 first round pick, Miami's 2024 fourth round pick, and running back Chase Edmonds. It's a huge addition for Miami's defense. Chubb's 26 years old. He's in the midst of a strong 2022 season, registering 26 tackles, four of which are for a loss, five and a half sacks, eight quarterback hits, two forced fumbles, and a pass defense defended in eight games. Um, he burst onto the scene as a rookie in 2018 and hasn't looked back since. And speaking of not looking back since... Let's talk about the fighting Phils, the Philadelphia Phillies against all odds, firing their manager in April. Not like no one, no one thought, no one, I don't even know. I'm speechless. The Philadelphia Phillies are unbelievable. Welcome to the home run derby, Lance McCullers Jr. The Houston Astros starter became the first pitcher in MLB history to give up five home runs in a single playoff game as the Philadelphia Phillies cruised to a 7-0 victory in Game 3 of the 2022 World Series on Tuesday. Five homers. I mean, I don't know what Dusty Baker is thinking, whether he's senile, old. I don't know what the deal is. But you have arguably the best, probably the best bullpen in the MLB. And you just let Lance McCullers Jr. throw batting practice. I mean, it makes no sense. As someone who despises the Astros with every fiber of my being, it brings me great joy to see them get hammered in the World Series yet again by a team, by a National League East team that barely squeaked in. But, but what are you, Dusty Baker, what are you thinking? I mean, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. The Phillies have taken a 2-1 series lead, and they, they remain undefeated at Citizens Bank Park in the postseason. They're averaging seven runs a game at home in the playoffs. That is unheard of. Um, if the pattern continues, the Phillies, I mean, the Phillies are two games away from winning their first World Series since their illustrious 2008 season. Uh, the offensive fireworks started right away when Bryce Harper continued his red-hot playoffs by launching a two-run homer in the first inning. His sixth homer of the postseason sent the crowd into an absolute frenzy. 
and was a sign of things to come. Alec Bohm and Brandon Marsh kept things rolling with long balls in the second inning, and Kyle Schwarber and Reese Hoskins went back-to-back in the fifth. The game was essentially over at that point, and social media had nothing but praise for the offensive juggernaut. For a team that only won 87 games this year, this is unbelievable. I mean, if if this doesn't show you that all you need in the MLB is to get hot at the right time, I don't know what will. And let's talk about the Astros, because they've made the ALCS six years in a row, and they only have one World Series to show for it. Only one. And we know for a fact that they cheated to win that World Series when they beat the Dodgers in seven games in 2017, which is, in case you don't know why I hate them with every fiber of my being. But when do we start talking about them as chokers? I mean, six straight ALCS appearances. They've made the World Series in 2017, 2019, 2021, and 2022. Um, they only have one World Series, which again was tainted to show for it. And it looks like yet again, for the third time in four years, they're going to lose the World Series to a third place National League East team. Um, while Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler draw the most headlines in the team's rotation, Ranger Suarez entered Tuesday's game with a 1.86 ERA in four playoff appearances and continued to be an under-the-radar hero in the team's playoff run. Um, he's been unbelievable. Someone that was a reliever, a relief pitcher last season, and now a starter in the World Series for the Phillies. I mean, what a story. Bryce Harper on a tear. Reese Hoskins and Bryce Harper have 12 combined playoff homers. Kyle Schwarber is red hot. The whole Phillies offense is red hot. Um, they deserve this World Series. I very much look forward to them winning it. Um, again, I fucking hate the Astros, so I'm glad to see the Phillies tearing them up. Hopefully, they don't let it get back to Houston. Hopefully, they win it in five. And with that, that is all we have for this episode of Sean Sports Stop. Thank you guys so much for listening. This was number 399. I love you guys. I appreciate you guys, and I'll see you on the next one. I'm out.